Hey, it's Justin Moore, host of Creator Debates. Do you hate pitching brands? Then keep listening. In today's public sponsorship coaching call with Alexis Grant of They Got Acquired, we discussed why Alexis dislikes the pitching process and how she can get past that, how to respond to brands who dismiss your audience size, why she created a polished deck after successfully selling sponsors from a Google Doc, why you should keep your rates and prices confidential, how to sell different things to different brands based on their objectives and why getting on calls with brands is way better than negotiating via email. Before we get started with this episode, I'm curious, are you looking to land more brand partnerships? Because I have a free weekly report that's gonna get you paid. The Creator Wizard newsletter will help you find which brands and companies are sponsoring creators, pitch more effectively, get paid more money on each partnership, and immediately get better looking and tell funnier jokes, probably. Join 30,000 creators and sign up at creatorwizard.com slash join. That's creatorwizard.com slash join. I really like don't love this part of the business. That's Lexi. She's a creator just like you. But like a lot of creators, Lexi feels that reaching out to sponsors is kind of a lot of work. I don't love the pitching part of it. See, here's the problem. A proactive approach to sponsorships can feel a little intimidating. You might think, I've got all these brands coming to me anyways, so do I really need to start reaching out myself? But if that's your mindset, I guarantee you're gonna be making at least half the sponsorship revenue that you could be. That's why I challenged Lexi on her sponsorship strategy. We're breaking down her every decision, her every assumption, and even delving into her pitch deck to show you how your approach could be costing you money. By the end of this, you'll know how to think about your sponsorship inventory so you never have to turn down a great deal, what happens behind the scenes at a brand when you get on a call with them, and the unexpected thing brands are desperate to pay you for. There exists folks out there in that general pool who would be down to pay the rates that you're charging as long as we're not focused on Hey, I'm Lexi Grant, and I run a media company called They Got Acquired. We help entrepreneurs sell their business. We focus on a lot on telling stories. So we share a lot of stories of founders who have sold. We share data about the deal so people can see like what other founders have sold for and how they did it. And I saw you speak at a conference, and it was great. You gave me a couple of things that I took away and implemented right away. So when I was coming up against the time to start doing another sponsorship push, I really like don't love this part of the business. I've been trying to like rev myself up to, to go for it and wanted to kind of level up this fall. So that's why I thought I even figured maybe we could chat and talk through some of the specific challenges that we have as a brand. Awesome. So real quickly, let's dig into the uh, the mindset piece okay. first. Like, why do you hate sponsorships? <laughs> why is that something that is like, it feels like, ugh, like yucky to you? Well, I love it for this brand because I, I, it's already worked well for the brand and I could tell that there's a lot of potential. So I love it in that way. I don't love the pitching part of it. I also find generally sometimes working with clients can be challenging because you're having to be available a lot and answer a lot of questions. But I think that really depends on the kind of clients. And so far, we, we've, we've been really lucky with the people that we've worked with. And I also have an operations manager who does a lot of the back and forth. So that's helped. So the tricky part really is just the pitching and the selling. And, and of course, like, you know, you have to get a lot of no's to get yeses sometimes. So that yeah. part's never fun. 
And I think I'm just yeah. stronger at other parts of the business as well. You mentioned like I'm gearing up to do another sponsorship push. Uh, what do you mean by that? Is this is this something you do in like you try to like lock in a bunch of sponsorships for the next like four months and then kind of go heads down back down to the content and the strategy and stuff? Or like I, I kind of do, yeah. <laughs> you kind of do. Well, so there's lots of different buckets, of course, when you're running a business, like everybody knows, there's lots of different things you have to work on. So it helps me to focus on one thing at a time. So I might say, okay, for the next couple of weeks, I'm working hard on this. And then of course, like leads might come through later or there might be opportunities later we can follow up on. But I try to get a jump start at certain parts of the year so that I can focus on that and know that we are going to be where we want to be. And also like timing wise, we have, we've been sold out in the newsletter for September and October. So I'm starting to think, okay, I'm looking towards November. And then we also have a few new sponsorship options that I want to share for the first time with people mm. we've worked with before and with the new prospects. And and we, we've done okay. it, we got a new deck. So until now we've pitched with a Google doc, which <laughs> has worked fine. And yeah. you know, it's, I think it's the way to start, but we, we just, we now have a new deck that's pretty and I think looks more polished and hopefully will help us. Yeah. So I think this is probably uh, the first learning moment here, um, which is that the quickest way to get burnt out on the process of sponsors sponsorships is making it this big thing like you are right now. Like, okay, it's going to be, you know, we're going to do our push now. And you're just like, Oh God, I don't want to do the push. Um, and, um, the, the real unlock, especially if sponsorships is, a, is one of the primary ways in which you monetize your content business is that this has to be a year long thing. This has to be a monthly uh, process, something that you do over and over. And one of the challenges that I hope we can unlock today is, um, yeah, even though you, you currently have inventory sold out through you know the next few months we need to figure out how we can structure or you know, structure your business or create other content formats so that you don't have inventory constraints because this is going to be part of the this is going to be one of the biggest challenges is that you are going to when you do the process of reaching out and pitching brands everyone is going to have different levels of urgency when it comes to running specific campaigns. So in some of the um, uh, uh, preparation work you sent to me, you said, uh, it seems as though the uh, sponsors that come inbound are a lot easier to close than the ones that, you know, you're the one pitching them. And, and that seems like, I, I think the other really important reason to understand why is because when a sponsor is reaching out, they oftentimes have they oftentimes have fully baked their campaign. They're like, okay, we want to get in front of Lexi's audience for this very specific reason. We're promoting some sort of uh, you know seasonal campaign, or we're promoting some new feature, or some initiative that they want to and that they've already allocated budget to, right? Um, and so it's 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 no surprise that it's easier to close those types of deals. But when you are the one um, going out and proactively pitching, which is one of the most important um, unlocks, is that you have to supplement your inbound deal flow with proactive pitching, because when you go out there and you pitch a sponsor, they're either going to say, oh, this is perfect. We have money right now to spend with you. Or they're going to say, this is great. We're not quite ready for this. Let's keep talking, you know, and, and we have, um, you know, something coming down the line that you, that this would be a great fit for. And so you need to have um, either inventory that you can sell them or inventory that you can create to be able to service regardless of where they're at. And so we'll get in, into into more of that, but I think it's like, this is a really, really important lesson for not only newsletter operators, but any creators who are running their businesses to shift from this mindset of, I have a fixed inventory um, to 
how can I service this brand perhaps in other creative ways? Even if yes, I may have limited inventory on the newsletter, but I'm not going to tell them that I'm not. And, and a lot of people think like, this is a FOMO thing it, it, to some degree. It's like, Oh yeah, we're so super popular. Like you can't book us. Like, you know, that's why our rates are premium and all this stuff. And to some degree, it, yeah, that works. But like at, uh, at the same time, like you don't want to be turning away money, especially for some of the sponsors that you may be working with. They've got 10, 20 K in their hand. And they're like, we want to spend this. And you're like, sorry, can't do it. Right. And so I think that, that like really uh, one thing I think we should focus on is figuring out where, what's the comfort level in your, in your business where there might be some creative ways to service that, that demand. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that's pretty much what our new deck does is introducing other options, either in addition to the newsletter or, you know, instead of the newsletter for the exact reason that you mentioned. Why don't we share um, your new deck, which um, I could tell you're very excited about, and I'm very excited to, to take a look at it. The thing is, like, it's fun to make a pretty deck, but, like, nothing <laughs> happens unless you pitch it. So it always feels like busy work to do that piece to me because it's like, yeah, it's, it's not the real. <laughs> I have to actually pitch okay. it. Okay, so let, let's quickly talk. Uh, mm -hmm. Why did you make a deck? Why did you feel like this was the next inflection point? Like, people aren't going to take you seriously until you have a deck. Is that what you were thinking? No, not at all, actually. I, I think the Google Doc worked fine. But as we added more options, it started becoming like too much. And then Google Doc, it's like too much to read and you have to scroll, keep scrolling. And I wanted to like make it more clear what the other options were so people didn't just go after the newsletter. Okay. Cool. So um, I'm going to page through this because um, you did a really fantastic job at this. I mean, it looks really nice. You've got your table of content. Uh, you've got, you know, why should you sponsor us? Here's what recent sponsors have, have uh, you know, gotten leads, awareness, associate trust. Um, you got a little backstory on the brand. Um, you know, it's a niche audience, uh, which I like. You got an audience breakdown, which is cool. Um, I want to come back to this because there's some interesting stuff on here. Um, got some geos. You got company size. This is also very interesting to me. So I want to come back to this um, audience breakdown, sponsor options, uh, all the different ways in which they can work with you, other ways, uh, newsletter sponsorships. Um, you've got some uh, different, um, you know, different formats of ways in which they could do that podcast, speaker series, report sponsorships, long term, et cetera. You've got your rate card here. Um, testimonials. This is great. Yeah. I mean, so uh, super comprehensive. I mean, I think you obviously put a lot of thought into this, which is fantastic. I want to challenge you on a few things. Um, so in, in, when we were initially speaking, um, you were mentioning, okay, like I think the, some of the best fit sponsors, uh, for my business is M&A, right? Mergers mm -hmm. and acquisition companies or, you know, maybe tangential uh, service providers who help with this, this process. That's correct. That's kind of your gut feeling so far, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And um, the one thing that stuck out to me when I was looking at your uh, audience uh, breakdown is that um, the biggest chunk of your audience is not focused on M&A right now. They're focused on building. And, and so I think that obviously given the focus of your, of your content business, um, that makes the most sense. It's like a shoe in, right? It's like, I'm talking about businesses getting acquired. Uh, and so it clearly, like I should go out and try and find companies that help facilitate that process. But I would actually argue that the largest chunk of your audience, you've already done the research. Um, actually that that's not the types of solutions that would serve them right now. Yes, you have like, you know, what, 27% of your audience that is looking to sell in the next, you know, three years or so. But 
actually 36% of those people um, are not looking to sell right now. And, and I would argue that if you lumped together both the people who are focused on building and the people who were looking to sell within the next three years, that represents what, uh, 36 plus 27. So that's what, am I doing my math here? 63%, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, like all of those people would probably find a lot of value from tools because they're still, they're still building. It's not like they're not building. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that they may be looking to sell down the line. And so um, I would actually argue, and I want to see how this sits with you. Mm -hmm. I would actually argue that M&A companies are not the best fit to go after uh, initially based on the psychographics. How does that, mm -hmm. how does that land with you? I, I get what, I hear what you're saying. I don't think we could charge the rates we're charging to someone who's not looking for a founder that wants to sell or who doesn't have, you know, get a high LTV for somebody that they bring in. Why not? Because um, we're charging pretty high rates for the size of our list. And we're in a kind of an awkward phase right now where we're still pretty small. Um, and I think a lot of these challenges will be solved as we grow. So what, I, what I'd like to do in the next six months to a year is try to increase some of these revenue sources so that I can put it back into paid growth so that we have a much bigger list and it is an easier sell. Um, but what I'm finding is some of the more general type sponsors won't pay the rates that we have. Um, and sometimes we we do like decrease them to make it so it makes sense for those sponsors. Um, and that's how we've managed to have like a combination of both types of sponsors because we have we have had a lot of um, general interest type sponsors in the newsletter. Um, but like, I think in terms of the unique value that we can provide, like no one else out there has a list of people who want to sell. And even the people who say they're focused on building, they're on the list for a reason. Like they probably want to sell eventually. Um, so yeah, I think there's some truth to what you're saying that they can go broader. Um, it would be easier if we had a bigger audience, I think. Okay. So, so let, let's, let's dig into this. How many, so is this a, um, perceived uh is this something that you're internalizing or is this something you've been told over and over and over again your list is not big enough i'm not going to pay that those rates for the size of the audience or like is this something you've heard a lot i have so there's two things one thing that i've heard is that the rates are too high for the, the list size um from from like people who aren't in aren't don't care if the founders want to sell basically um and then the second thing is that yeah your list from like the bigger so there's a few bigger brands where i have contacts and they 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 said like they would like to spend, but they want to see a bigger list um, because it makes sense for them to make to make bigger buys on bigger lists. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So so this is this is helpful. Um, however, I think rather than getting fixated on the list size, um, I think you're 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 going the right direction, which is figuring out other content formats that you can utilize to supplement some of these pitches so that it's not all focused on on the list size. Because I think that if you are um, you know, talking with these sponsors who seem very focused on list size, open rates, click rates, et cetera, then you are going to be looked at as a media buy, as an ad insertion, as an IO. It's not going to be looked at as we are partnering with the brand they got acquired across all these different, you know, the podcast and the live speaker series and the newsletter and all that stuff too. Um, to me, that would be the big focus. And I want to, I want to emphasize something, which is that I think your, um, 
planting of the flag and being like, we, no one has the audience we have. It's, it's a very, very specific audience. And I would hundred percent agree with that, that you should be charging a premium for that. And so rather than being like, okay, let, let's figure out ways to like, you know, try and come down so we can meet some of these other more general sponsors. I do think the approach overall of, you know, figuring out a holistic partnerships that we can forge is the right approach. However, I would say that, um, looking at, there is a much larger pool of other types of brands, tools, SaaS, you know, pro, you know, software, et cetera, to service the folks who are building than the folks who are selling. There's a more larger pool of those types of sponsors, right? And so what I would argue is that there exists folks out there in that general pool who would be down to pay the rates that you're charging, as long as we're not focused on a lot of these kind of conversion focused metrics that um, it sounds like you might be leading with. So, so walk me through if, if I, this is kind of, we're, we're running an audible here, but like mm. walk me through, pretend that I am a, a SaaS tool. Let's say that I'm Brex, you know, know. Let, let's say that I'm Brex and um, I want to get in front of your audience of of founders, builders, et cetera. What would be the sales pitch? Like, let, pretend we're on a phone call. Hey, Lexi, like, uh, I'm super excited. I have been on the, the they got acquired uh, newsletter for six months. Um, I think it's really solid and we're interested in, in potentially sponsoring. Can you can you share a little bit more about what that would look like? Sure, but I, I almost never have to do phone calls. Think. I okay. mean, I'm a writer. I am not like as good at speaking as I am at writing. Okay. So okay. usually we, the conversations happen over email. Um, and okay. sometimes, uh, however, often what happens, like one good way that we get sponsors is I do do a lot of like networking calls with people who are okay. running businesses. And often like by then the conversation will say, oh, maybe we could sponsor you and then we can start into it. Um, but yeah, so I think like almost pitching via email is like probably what I need to get better at. Okay. No, um, no, 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 no. It's not that you need to pitch via email and get on a call as soon as possible. That's what you need to do. Pretend these discovery calls with sponsors are like, mm -hmm. you know, these free calls that you're doing where you're networking, just pretend mm -hmm. that and get on a call and start establishing the rapport, Lexi, mm -hmm. because this is how you're going to get Brex to open their big, big wallet to spend with you because they've put a face to the name. Now you're no longer just uh, someone with a list size of X thousand. You're now Lexi who runs this thing. You've got all these things that you, you know, they, they put a face to the name. They get to understand every, like the mission behind what you're doing. Um, like, like a huge part of brand of, of these contacts that you're speaking with going to bat for you internally is them going and selling you to their boss, right? And being like, hey, we really should, I think we need to align with with they got acquired in Lexi because what they're working on is pretty cool. But if you, if it's if everything is over email, and, and again, if you're not comfortable doing this, maybe you can like, you know, get your operations person to get on the hook for doing this. But um, I'm telling you, like th that should be your top priority. I think that might be one of the big unlocks here of helping people understand the holistic nature in which you can serve them. It's not just about the the numbers and the, and the conversions and the dollars and cents and the, the ROAS and all return on ad spend. It's not just that. You have to help them understand that there's more to the ethos of your brand than what's on the paper. And I think that that's a really, especially given that you're charging premium rates for your for your sponsorships, right? Because if they if they hold you up next to, you know, some other, you know, newsletter, let's say you, you've got, you know, what's your current list size at right now? 6,500. So you've got 6,500. They hold you up next to someone with 10,000 or 6,500 and you're two, three X, they're going to be like, yeah. oh, we'll go with this person. Right. Like there's no, there's no competition. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you add 
I got on the call. I got on the phone with Lexi. I understood um, what she's all about. Like the the mm -hmm. psychographics, the t the quality of the people on her list just seems so much different than this list over here. Let's go pay her two three x because mm -hmm. it just seems like it's going to go better, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think I think one of the big learning lessons I hope is that we have to detach this idea of it's all about ROAS. And yes, it may have been. Uh, you know, the, the the well may have been a bit poisoned with some of these early folks that you spoke with. Mm -hmm. um, but I guarantee you there are people out there, especially in the general pool of uh, tools that serve folks who are building um, that mm -hmm. would be down mm -hmm. uh, to like, you know, to partner with you. Uh, just a quick anecdote is that, you know, I also in the early days when I was growing my newsletter, uh, I was always charging a premium and, and it was all about the narrative. It was all about the story that I was telling. There were other newsletters that were sponsoring, you know, that had creators on them. But I basically said, I look, I said, look, all of the people on my newsletter are creators who are looking to make money. These are mm -hmm. people who are investing in their business. This is not just someone screwing around on TikTok, right? And just having fun. Like this is, this is these are people willing to invest in their business. And that it, a lot of that narrative, which is tr it's a true narrative, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is like, it's, it's, you have to tell the story of like why it's, why it's more expensive, right? And I yeah. think the deck helps a lot with that. But, um, you know, I think that this, this is something that, you know, potentially getting comfortable with that will, um, will make a big difference. No, you're right. How does that, because, how, how does that yeah, feel? <laughs> I mean, I think you're right because uh, typically people I've talked to turn into sponsors. <laughs> so I think that's that's a good thing to think about. <laughs> I don't well, like you got the it, data point there. You've got the data point yeah. there, right? It's like you you you're yourself. You mm -hmm. get on these calls. You're just Lexi, right? You're not mm -hmm. trying to do the dog and pony show. And I think it's the same. It, you treat the sponsor discovery calls as, um, you know, when you reach out, hey, you know, I would love to. Um, you know, learn a little bit more about, you know, how it can support your initiatives. Um, you know, so I'll give you like some, some transparency behind the scenes. I just pitched Riverside this mm -hmm. morning. Okay. Riverside is the tool that we're using right mm -hmm. now to do this public yep. coaching call. I haven't closed it yet. I have not closed the deal mm -hmm. yet. I literally, so I, I, my friend was sponsored by them and, um, I said, Hey man, would you like be uh, willing to intro me? Uh, he said, yeah, you want me to just like do an email? And I said, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put together a pitch. I'm going to forward it. I'm going to send it to you. Then can you forward that pitch and tag me on it. And so what I did was I went on the Riverside's website and at the very top of the banner, they had this thing where they're promoing their magic clips feature, which is like an AI feature that helps you like, you know, pull out clips you know, on their own and like export them. It's super easy. And so the title of the email that I sent to my friend was magic clips, uh, promo to 30 K creators, question mark. It wasn't Oh, small, you know, creator wizard intro or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, this thing is obviously important to you, Riverside. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go say I can help you promo this. I'll talk. You know, I use it for my podcast. I'll talk about it to my newsletter. Um, would love to discuss how I can help, you know, with I, I'm simplifying it. But like, you know, would love to discuss mm -hmm. how I can, you know, help your with your Q4 initiatives, whatever. Got a yeah. response within 10 minutes of him mm -hmm. forwarding that email. So it it's is. like, it's not just about this general intro. And so for you, when you're doing some of this outreach or pitching and all this stuff too, it's no longer just like, hi, I'm Lexi, like sponsor my newsletter, little, little business over here. It's like, no, mm -hmm. I see that you're trying to do this thing here. Let me help you move the needle on that in the following way. So it's, it's, it's now it becomes a conversation, right? Which is something it seems like you're more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, like a lot of people, I don't like the selling piece, mm -hmm. uh, but I like people. I like talking to people and I like helping people meet their goals. 
And I think we can do that. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. If I take that approach, it can work. This page also is super interesting to me because 85% of your audience is less than 10 people. Almost 50% is a solo founder. And so, um, yeah, there may be some, you know, people who are looking to buy small kind of solopreneur or small team businesses like that. But I would, I would potentially argue that if I was to see this as an M&A firm and I was looking to spend tens of millions of dollars acquiring a company, I'd be like, oh, this, this list doesn't have the type of businesses on it that I'm interested in. Well, like we, that, like, yeah, we focus on boots. I mean, we're not, we don't only cover bootstrap businesses, but we primarily cover bootstrap businesses. And a lot of the businesses we cover are lean on people, but big on revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that kind of approach has appealed to the people who sign up. But many of these people, there's still great businesses to buy. We cover between sales between 100,000 and 50 million. Mm. So it's six, seven, and eight figures and more of the six and seven figure sales. Um, So those are the ones that, you know, Anyone who wants to reach the founders who want to sell, they're happy with that range. Is that reflected somewhere else in this deck? Because I didn't, like, I read through this and that was not clear to me. Mm -hmm. It's at the Um, beginning, but we could focus on it more if you didn't notice it. Um, um, Business and deals in the in the uh, six, seven, and and low eight figure range. Um, Okay, so so I think. I think what I what this deck needs. So there's there's a couple things that this deck needs. Um, number one, at the very beginning, I want to see a case study. I, I this is good, but this is like, like I want I want this page to be this brand sponsored our newsletter, and here was the result. And the goal should be that you have one case study for each of these three uh, result types that you can help them accomplish. So you have one case study for someone who's interested in lead generation. You have one case study for someone who's, who's, you know, into brand awareness and another who, again, trust by association. That's also another big thing. And you send customized versions of this, of this deck to knowing that that's their goal. You have this initial call, you ask them questions about what their objectives are. And if they tell you lead generation, then you don't share anything about brand awareness or trust via association because they just told you they don't care about that. And at the same time, when I look at, I want testimonials that only talk about quality of the leads like this first one. I don't want to see any other testimonials about brand awareness and all that stuff. I want to only see the result that I want. So that's that's a big thing that I want to see in this in this media kit. The other thing that I want to see is I want you to delete this page immediately, Lexi, this rate card page. okay? Um, because if this is publicly available on your website or this is something that you're sending to every brand who's like inquiring uh, about a partnership with you. Um, the, the best analogy that I give is that let's say someone, you know, reaches out, Brex reaches out and says, Hey, we want to partner with you. And you say, great, here's my media kit. Let me know which package you want. It's like a doctor. You go into the doctor and saying, Oh, I'm not feeling well. And they say, they write you a prescription without asking you a single question. They say, here you go. Here's your, here's your, uh, here's your prescription for Prozac, <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, uh, I didn't tell you what's wrong with me. And so at the same time as you're having these conversations, your goal should be that of a doctor um, investigating. What is it? What is this brand trying to accomplish? And so you can still have this rate card kind of tucked in your back pocket, 
But when you send them your, this, this, instead of becoming a media kit, this becomes your proposal deck. Okay. And this proposal deck is customized with the brand's logo. And this rate card page becomes the packages for Brex. You've got package one, you've got package two, package three. And so the way I have a, a sponsorship, uh, pro, like a campaign proposal template that I have, um, that I provide to students in my course. And essentially page one is what we heard <laughs> on this call, right? I was on the call with you and you told me your goal was this, this, and this, right? You're basically re regurgitating what they told you, right? And then the next page or, you know, a couple pages down where you are pr providing them the packages, it's like, okay, package one is going to help you accomplish goal one. You told me that you want awareness. Great. Well, then awareness, we're going to go for the podcast. We're going to go for the live speaker series. That's going to be the thing to drive the needle for goal one. For goal two, you told me it was lead generation. Okay, well, that's where we're going to start doing the newsletter blasts. And that's where we're going to start doing X, Y, Z. That's why, you know, this type of idea. And so instead of it just being more like, oh, sponsor more things, sponsor more interviews, sponsor things, it's, it's you're directly tying a line to what they told you their objective is and what you're proposing to them. So now it becomes a bespoke solution to help them accomplish their outcome. Because remember, they have budgets for their own initiatives. They don't have budgets to just randomly sponsor they got acquired. They have budgets for their own initiatives. And so I think that the missing piece here, because all this is great, but what it has to be obvious to them is that this is not just like a boilerplate media kit proposal that you send to everyone. It's like, hey, pick one. These are the only boxes that you can you know, pick one. Right? How do you know Brex wouldn't want to be your title sponsor and pay you 250K for the entire year? You're telling them that the max amount that they can pay you is 37K. Why would you do that? What if they want to spend pay you a lot more money? And so I think I'll pause there because that was a lot, but I think a really big and important uh, exercise here is like, stop sending this, take this off the website, stop sending this to everyone who reaches out asking if they're sponsored and it becomes a conversation that you have to reach out Hey, let's talk. Um, and, and yeah, maybe there's some sort of light qualification process to make sure that you're not wasting a bunch of time on calls with people who have 500 bucks to sponsor you. Um, but it's like a, a big part of it is, is understanding that um, because you have these premium rates, um, it's going to require like having a conversation. It, it, it's like it's like if, um, you know, if, if you go to the into the info products world, right, where it's like courses and coaching and all that stuff, too. They have this adage that like if you are trying to sell someone cold or even lukewarm on Anything that's over $2,000, they get kicked to a sales team. They get on a call, right? And so if you're trying to close $37,000 deals over email, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really good. Um, we were doing a little bit of that. Like we we asked them what their goals are over email <laughs> um, and then send this to them. But I like the idea of creating a more of a proposal. It reminds me of like... I used to run an agency back in the day. And of course we did that. We talked, we got on the phone, we talked to them. Then we wrote a proposal that said, this is what we heard and this is what we can offer. So just applying that here, I think could work really well. It's the same. It's so funny because like I, I also ran an agency back in the day and it was like, it's so funny how our prior lives come back in surprising ways that we didn't anticipate, but it's the same. It's, it's you, you in essence are an agency, Lexi. You don't think about it, but you are, uh, they are retaining you to accomplish some sort of outcome. And the way in, and instead of, uh, I don't know what your agency was, but like, let's say you were buying Facebook ads or something for them. Instead of you um, buying 
space on someone else's platform, like Facebook ads, Google ads, whatever, um, you have organic distribution. And so you are serving as an agent to help them accomplish some sort of outcome. And so it's essentially the same exercise. Okay. So at the top of the call, you mentioned that you have some kind of new and exciting content formats that you're, mm-hmm. um, you know, hoping will get some folks excited mm-hmm. about potentially sponsoring. you. Can you talk through some of these content formats and kind of the early traction that you're seeing or like, wh- why are you excited about some of these new things? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about it because it lets us sell beyond the newsletter um, and, and gives us more, more options for, for different sponsors. The one that we've sold already is... Um, the, actually, you had it on the you had it on there in a minute ago. It's um, uh, I can't remember what I called it in the deck, but yeah, a sponsored interview and a newsletter. Um, I do an interview with someone from the brand, and we put that onto a landing page, and then we send traffic to it via the newsletter. Um, and we've sold a handful of those so far. That's been good because it's allowed us to give people something that the newsletter doesn't always, which is helping our brand trust them by hearing that they know what they're talking about and we can do that through an interview um and then they also get that as an asset which some people have been happy with they get a backlink which they're they get excited about not every not when you're in a newsletter you don't necessarily get that um yeah so that's when that's one thing that's that has shown us it's looked promising early on so, so why are you not uh, selling through the ability to do this on the public podcast? Why is it only a private podcast? Because we don't we're, we don't have like a public podcast that's going live right now. We did season one, and we haven't done season two yet. Gotcha. And anyways, um, I don't want to. I it's kind of a, I don't want to have like a sponsored podcast where I'm just interviewing guests that pay. I'm like not interested mm, in that. Gotcha. Um, what about the live speaker series? I mean, that, that seems that, like a pretty obvious thing to be able to have a, a sponsored speaker series where you actually interview some someone from the marketing team on their team. We could. Yeah. I, I think what I envision is in your, bringing in a founder who has sold to do like an AMA that's not recorded. Um, we've And we've done some of these with a small community at, that we have. It's like not a, listed anywhere, but we have a small community of female founders who are looking to sell. And we've brought in um, founders who have sold or they can ask them questions. And they're, they're like super helpful conversations, these people. So I'd like to have a version that's open to our entire list or entire audience mm-hmm. um, where we're featuring founders who have actually sold. I mean, mm-hmm. we could add a piece onto that where there's also like someone who's an expert in their field talking about what they do as well. Mm-hmm. I kind of figured that's what the sponsor would be where we'd, we would do something short where they would can yeah. you know show, showcase what they know. I think, you know, um, as a rule of thumb, I've, you know, I've done thousands of sponsorships at this point. Um, brands oftentimes will find a way to justify a sponsorship if it means that someone on their team can go and get on a on a lectern and s- talk about their their <laughs> their latest Funny. wear, right? Um, and so I think that that's like just a, a good thing to keep in mind is that mm-hmm. if you say, oh yeah, and you have the ability to like, you know, come into our community or come on a private podcast yeah. or come and do something, um, like then it all, all of a sudden makes sense. Hey. Oh yeah, even though it's two, three X is expensive. Oh, if, you know, our VP of marketing or whatever mm-hmm. can come in and like do a little you know dog and pony show. Um, okay, I guess it makes sense, you know, because then what happens? Then they share that around with the entire company and they're hey. like, hey, we were just on, they got acquired and everyone hey. gets to listen to it and it's like a cool thing to talk about in hey. an all hands marketing meeting and guess what? 
now it's no longer about the clicks that that generated mm -hmm. or, or the opens on that newsletter. It was, oh, we got featured. Our company mm -hmm. got featured. Like our VP of marketing got featured. They can yeah. post about it on LinkedIn. It seems insane, but like, like people care about this stuff, right? Especially because yeah. a lot of the sponsors that you're potentially working with, they don't have oftentimes a lot of out lets to mm -hmm. like share about their you know mm -hmm. business it's not a cons consumer brand really it's like a b2b mm -hmm. you know type type solution um so they're probably like a they're being like thread boys or gals on linkedin or twitter or something all day long <laughs> but like the ability to like you know have, yep. be interviewed on a niche like you know uh content outlet like yours is few and far between and so you absolutely should have that as an option and charge a premium for it yeah, I think we can make that part of the speaker series. Do you have a community? I'm, I'm curious. Like, do you have like a private community where people, your audience is able to like talk with each other? Or is that? Not really. I have I have a group really. of like 25 women who want to sell. It's just, I sometimes put people in there after I talk to them. But mm -hmm. I have thought long and hard about this. I do not think this is the right group to do a community with. Um, there's mm -hmm. a lot of reasons, but the biggest one is that many people don't want everyone else to know that they're thinking about selling. Mm. Um, so that makes it tricky. Like, um, there's some really interesting particular challenges with this topic, like with this niche that I didn't know, think about before I started doing it, but that's mm. one of them. Um, it also affects like shareability. Cause like not everyone wants to say, Hey, I watched this about how to sell your business. Cause they don't want people to know they're thinking about selling. So I previously thought that when I was, when I started doing sponsorship coaching, that there was no way in this universe that anyone would be willing to share a call like this publicly. I thought that people would be terrified to like talk about their amount that they're charging or the sponsorships that they're doing or the brands that they're working with or whatever. Um, until I started experimenting with this public coaching idea. Um, and I realized there actually are a, a cohort or a segment of people who are actually pretty comfortable, especially if you give them safeguards around being able to redact certain things and all that stuff too. And it kind of goes hand in hand with this kind of building in public um, idea. Um, and so, yes, on the surface, I, I agree that a lot of people probably, there's a lot of people who wouldn't be comfortable talking uh, with you about it, but there might actually be uh, a non-trivial amount of people who would be comfortable talking about it publicly. And until you give them an outlet to do that, because again, I didn't have a way for people to like do book public goes. It was just something I tried. And so this could be something as simple as like you putting out maybe in your newsletter and being like, Hey, is anyone interested in potentially selling their business in the next, you know, like year or two? And we'd be comfortable having a public conversation about it. Yeah. Click here. One person might do it, but I don't, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if a community, um, Anyways, there's like a million reasons why I ended up. Yeah, yeah. Out of I mean, if it's something you don't want to do, I'm just <laughs> saying the, um, the, you know, one thing I always like to go back is kind of like first principles is like understanding as a media operator, as a content creator, as the kind of doing what you're doing, it's about audience first, right? How can you serve them? And so sponsorships is one way in which you can serve them, obviously, by, you know, il you know, uh, illustrating services, brands, products that can help them along their journey. The other spectrum of that is your own courses, education, you know, direct monetization efforts where you're actually actually buying something from you, access to a workshop, access to a course, et cetera. Coaching like is another, is another way to do that. Affiliates is another way to do that. Right. And so there's all these ways in which you can serve your audience. Right. And so my line of, of questioning around a community is like, okay, how can I serve them? Right. They've got these challenges, you know, they're at these different, you know, they're on this continuum of like where they're at in their business journey. Some are ready to sell. Some are like still early, very early on. Some 
some are kind of in the messy middle and they're in the building phase. And so like, could I serve them? by having some sort of forum or community. And maybe there is some sort of like blind, you know, kind of privacy, you know, things that I can think about. If it's not something that you want to do in your business, that's fine. But I always go back to like, okay, what are the, what are the tent poles, whether it's content formats, whether it's, you know, a community, whatever it is, how can I serve them best? Because if you, if you start with that mindset, um, like it, it benefits the overall business in so many different ways. If you, let's say are serving them with, you know, the live speaker series, or you're serving them with the community, they will then oftentimes, um, like support your sponsors <laughs> a lot more because they trust you. They're like, Oh, she's helping me in all these other ways. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to now take her recommendation of this tool that is sponsoring her more seriously. I'm going to go check it out. And so figuring out other ways in your business in which you can serve your audience oftentimes benefits sponsorships and, and, and things like that. There's something that I want to try to integrate into our sponsorship packages. So I do the, I do a lot of these calls with founders. They're one-on-one. -on -one. And then when, when they are for the founders who are at a position where they want like an advisor or oftentimes it's other types of service providers as well, like a CFO to get their books in the shape, or they might need a lawyer. Um, lawyers actually can't pay referral fees. Uh, so, um, I have successfully moved a few of those folks into being sponsors instead. Um, but for like the advisors, we have tons of advisor partners. And basically when I talk to someone, we learn about their business and depending on the size of the business, the type of the business and what I think their personality would benefit from, I cherry pick a few of the advisors and, and introduce them. Um, and because of that, like a lot of the advisors really like that. And, and because of that, they, they often say to me, like, we want to keep working together that way instead of sponsoring you because they do get some leads from the sponsoring, but they don't get as many. And like, they're not, they feel like the, they're warmer when I introduce them directly rather than someone like coming through a report or a newsletter and landing on their site. Um, so I need to find a way to say something like, you know, in order for us to send you these referrals, there's gotta be a minimum spend or if you buy this package, we'll send you X number of referrals, something like that. Um, but I don't know exactly how to structure it in part because I don't want to shoot us in the foot where like, I want to make the referrals because they, they're, they're money for us, but many of them, it's like a long, really long-term play and we need money right now to grow. So, um, and, and there, there have been some sponsors who have recognized us and who want the leads. And so they have, they have sponsored us heavily. And in return, I have, um, recommended them heavily i mean they always have to be a fit for the for the person so that that's kind of the caveat is like it's i'm my my interest is serving the founder first and foremost so i want it to be a good fit for the for that person which is why some of the stuff is tricky um but the ones that have sponsored us heavily i have made more of an effort to send referrals their way but i never tied that directly um and so they don't really know that they know they're getting great referrals but they're like hey why don't we just do that instead of doing um, like I had one person say, let's pull back a little on our sponsors because you're giving us this stuff. And I need to say, hey, I'm giving you these referrals because you're doing sponsorships. Mm. So finding a way to tie to marry those two. I don't think you should marry the two, <laughs> to be honest, because um, you just mentioned it's about it's about founder first. And your incentive at the at the end of the day is referring 
your founders to the absolute best fit for this. Um, and if they're if if you get if you start getting into this really murky dynamic where it's like, oh, I can't they stop sponsoring me, so I can't refer people to that. That's not founder first. Right. Um, and so I would not look to like have these people be primary sponsors. I would say I would actually argue that it would be more, it would be a better idea to go back and renegotiate your referral fee um, and not have them be sponsors. Because, again, at the end of the day, you want being able to refer these people to, you know, refer founders to be the primary like no, true, you know, North Star here. Um, I just think it's too complicated to try to tie the two together. This is I mean, my opinion. It is because, nice one. I mean, that's that's yeah. what that's what I've done so far because I haven't found a solution. But I thought maybe there'd be a way. I mean, you could. I mean, you know, the there there is the hybrid model when it comes to just general sponsor compensation, which is you've got some sort of baseline retainer where you say, hey, if you want to be in our database of like people that we refer to, then yeah, it's a thousand bucks a month or you know whatever it is. But then again, you become a line item now. You're 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 a cost center now instead of a profit center for them. And so I think that like. Um, I don't know that that's where my mind goes um, because like, like I was, I was on another coaching call with a someone who had a conference and um, he was in a similar boat, which was that he wanted it. It was like a creator first conference. And he wanted a lot of one of the major value propositions of people attending the conference is that they got to network with different brands. Um, but he was charging brands to be able to like go there and have a booth and all that stuff too. And I, I, I pitched the idea like, okay, don't charge them anymore. If you're having a hard time getting sponsors there, um, like make it relatively, you know, there to be some way where uh, they get to be there for free and you are the one who facilitates uh, these relationships. Right. And so again, it's like, you have to measure what matters, right? If, if referrals is the most important thing to you, then you shouldn't tie it to sponsorships in my opinion. Excuse me. It's nice when um, like for the ones that have also sponsored us, when I've referred them, I've had someone say, Oh yeah, I saw them in your newsletter. Or like, I I'm familiar with that brand because aren't they the one with that funny logo? Like they remember it, you know? Um, so like, I think, I think it helps all around. Um, mm -hmm. and it's like, just another way, like, for example, um, I, I mean, I think a few of these bigger packages that, um, we were talking about, like the live ser speaker series sponsoring, um, the podcast, the second season of the podcast. I think these have been great plays for any of these brands because it, they're mm. like, it's like repeated people are repeating it repeatedly hearing the message um and like they're really engaged in those and those things you know like yes it's a smaller audience but they are really engaged like i have people say to me when they discover us they will go back we only have one season of the podcast but they listen to all of it because they're mm. thinking i want to sell on a year i listen to every single one um so i i just I, I guess i just listening to you talk i just need to get better at explaining that and and because like, I, I believe it <laughs> Hundred so so hundred percent. As long as you can tell the story of why these are two separate types of of goals. Yeah, right. When you work, right, mm -hmm. the brand awareness play. That's you, you can tell the story that you just told me, which is like you refer people and they say, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that on the podcast or whatever. That is a totally valid reason to continue doing the way you've got it, right? And but you have to tell that you have to be able to tell that story better. If they're if if in in the absence of a story, they're going to make up their own narrative. In the absence of you being explicit about why these are two separate tactics, right? Like the sponsorship is a really important thing because when I refer people to you, there's a, another level of trust and association there. And so that's why, you know, doing those two things are important. And so again, they're going to just come, of course, they're going to come to you and be like, we don't want to sponsor you anymore. Just keep sending us people right like that. Of course, they're going to say that because you haven't told them why it's important to do both. I'm curious, like if you had any takeaways from our conversation, what would it be? I think one is get on the phone, get on the, do a call. Um, do more calls 
which and that makes sense um i love like you connecting the dots on turning that deck into like using it as as kind of a framework or a what's the word like it's like a template but i just pick the pieces that make sense for that sponsor and then customize it for each sponsor and send it to them i think that's a great thing we can do that's makes sense and is you know relatively simple and then just telling the story better around like why brand awareness is important i mean that's that's in my experience that's always a tough that can be tough um with certain types of sponsors i think as we go more up market it'll get easier like in terms of a company size and like you know companies that are used to doing that kind of campaign but yeah i think those are all really helpful yeah, yeah. so glad to hear it and, and i think you you are super well positioned uh in this space and i think with some relatively minor course corrections um i think you're going to start to see um you know a lot of a lot of success so um yeah hopefully this was helpful lexi cool thank you appreciate it hey you're uh you're still here that's pretty cool i appreciate that i got a really small ask could you take a quick second to rate creator debates on spotify or apple podcasts a friend of a friend told me that positive ratings are the number one way to help get your podcast in front of new listeners so if you found value in this episode or any content that i've ever published on the interwebs a single solitary tear would roll down my smiling cheek the moment that you submit your rating. Kidding, not kidding. Thanks again.